0: Hello and welcome to We Recover Loudly, the podcast shaking up conversations about addiction, recovery and drinking cultures in hospitality. This podcast aims to break down the walls of silence around addiction and recovery in the industry. The episodes will be a mix of personal stories from myself and from other sober champions with experience of working in hospitality, as well as interviews with hospitality leaders who are providing training and resources to assist in creating sustainable workplace environment for you and your teams. We will discuss mental health, stress and other challenges in the industry that can lead to addiction, challenging the work hard, play hard mentality. So let's turn it up and get loud, because when we recover loudly, we stop others from dying quietly. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of We Recover Loudly with me, Shell, your host, recovering loudly as always to make sure that others don't die quietly. This week's episode is a solo episode, so you get to listen to me talk for the next 20 minutes or so. And I've decided to talk about that dreaded word, alcoholic or alcoholism. This is a word that carries so much stigma, so much pain, and to be honest, a lot of misunderstanding. And I feel that it's a word that really keeps a lot of people from getting help sooner than they certainly can. Definitely was the case in my experience. Um, It took me a lot longer to realise I needed help because I was so ashamed of that word. So, what is an alcoholic? If we do a quick Google search, DrinkAware's website definition jumps up first, and it states that alcoholism is a term used to describe the most serious form of problem drinking at a level that causes harm to your health. I've also got here, we also have alcohol dependence is a chronic medical condition that typically includes a current or past history of excessive drinking with a strong craving for alcohol and with continued use despite repeated problems with drinking, and an inability to control alcohol consumption. Oh, well, okay, that all sounds very bleak, doesn't it? And, and you know, it is. Alcoholism, alcohol misuse disorder, it is a horrendous, horrendous thing to suffer from. And it doesn't just affect the person uh, drinking, it affects everybody around them. But do you have to be an alcoholic to stop drinking? I guess that is my big question today. So in my family, I have got a history of alcoholism. On my mum's side of the family, her father was an alcoholic. So she grew up in a very dysfunctional, very challenging environment. He died relatively young from complications due to his drinking. My mum's brother also suffered from alcoholism and drug abuse. And sadly, his son, who is the same age as me, has also had an entire lifetime full of addiction and the pain that goes with that. However, when this episode goes out, he is actually doing really well and he's got some sobriety behind him and I'm really proud of him. So growing up, alcoholism was a word that was spoken about but always in quite hushed tones. I never really understood what an alcoholic was other than that they were, well, to be honest, they were a bit scary. They were male. There were people that I didn't associate with, people that I didn't talk to, that I didn't have a relationship with at all. Um, The compassion, the understanding that me and my family now have for the disease of alcoholism and of alcoholics has changed a lot over my own sobriety journey. But certainly back then, nobody I would suggest that would have come out and said, hey, that they even knew an alcoholic. You know, It was very much the black sheep of the family So, yeah, growing up, I wasn't surrounded or around people who I knowingly knew was an alcoholic. Um, I I was around people who were heavy drinkers at times. We had neighbours who were quite heavy drinkers and, you know, they'd be spoken about in quite judgmental tones, like, oh, they've had a few again. And, oh, have you seen his red nose? And, you know, there was a, a real lack of compassion in the language that was used. And if you transfer that kind of idea to the way that alcoholics and alcoholism was portrayed in the media, at that time, so we're talking like 80s, 90s. I think there was probably two ways it was portrayed. It was either quite farcical, you know, the auntie who sneaks a whiskey into her afternoon tea, or, you know, you've got the ladies in Ab Fab watching Joanna Lumley drink copious amounts of stolly, You know, it's hilarious. Versus the really, really desperately ill portrayal of alcoholics and drug addicts. I mean, I can remember watching Basketball Diaries and just being so incredibly affected by Leonardo DiCaprio's portrayal of an addict and Mark Wahlberg and gosh that film I used to watch it over and over it used to really hit me hard obviously also because Leonardo DiCaprio was very handsome that was the other reason I kept watching it um but I can remember that scene where he's screaming at the door for his mum to help and he's dribbling and his mum's not letting him in because she has to look after herself and she has to put herself first and oh even just thinking about it now it makes me feel so sad for him and I know That a lot of people get to that state and get into that state of desperation and, you know, that is their reality. And I will never stop being grateful that for me, it never got that bad. And, you know, to be honest, again, that's one of the main reasons I'm doing this episode now. You know, does it have to get that bad before you stop drinking? You know, sometimes I think growing up and looking at films and media and TV shows and stuff, it almost felt like unless you got it that bad... You didn't need to get help for alcoholism or for drug abuse because, you know, if you're holding down a job, you have relationships, you have a family, you have a house. Well, you're not an alcoholic. Therefore, you don't need to stop drinking. You haven't got a problem. So I think, yeah, it's definitely something growing up I never had a proper understanding for. I mean, if I add into that the Ladette culture of the 90s, and again, the way it was glamorized is something that women as well as men can do. And it was fun and it was cool. And, you know, there was never a counteractive story of the harm that it could cause. The one thing I felt I did know more about, and again, this was based... More around the media and the films I used to watch was drug addiction. Um, I was obsessed with music from a very young age. I was heavily into Britpop and grunge, that whole lifestyle. And I used to absolutely idolise Courtney Love. And I just loved how free she always looked. And she kind of always had this waif-like vulnerability, but at the same time was really strong. And I just desperately wanted to be like her when I grew up. Um, I wanted to live this amazing, strong, powerful rock chick vibe and I've got to be honest, the way that she lived her drug-fueled rock and roll lifestyle, um, you know, that was part of the thing that was appealing to me. I wanted to live in London. I wanted to be a rock star. I wanted to do drugs. I wanted to be this cool, free, amazing person that I perceived these people to be. You know, and I think that is another massive misconception of the glamorization of drug taking and alcoholism. You know, it's almost like you're either this old man on a bench with a paper bag um, and a bottle of whiskey, or you can be this glamorous drug addict, you know, who's sniffing cocaine at the top parties and, you know, raging on, having great times. You know, I never felt like there was anything in between that you know somebody who had a problem with alcohol wasn't somebody who just lived down the road and you know wore a matching twin set and owned a car like that's not an alcoholic that's not a drug addict i'm not proud to admit it but you know i wanted that life which while it's you know like it is shameful it's embarrassing to say and i know that people can relate to that you know that's why i say it so when i started to feel that drinking was becoming more of a problem, um, which I would suggest was my late 20s, early 30s. Um, I had so much shame about the fact that alcohol was something that I could no longer control, you know. I'd lost my job, my friends, everyone in my life was just angry at me. It was almost like the shame was tied into that feeling of failure and that feeling of not being able to do something that I saw other people doing. But yeah, when I got to my absolute rock bottom, it was November 2020. So before that, I would describe myself, well, as a heavy drinker. Well, to be fair, my progression into drinking was no drinking, occasional, moderate, heavy. And then, you know, yeah, I mean, I was going to say it and then to alcoholic, but I don't feel like I am one. And I'll dig into that in a second because, you know, even to this day, it is so hard to think about and so hard to admit if I'm an alcoholic or not. Um, like I said, I wasn't physically dependent on alcohol. I didn't wake up in the morning and have to go for a drink. I didn't get the shakes if I hadn't drink. But I tell you what, it was the first thing I thought about when I got home and when I finished a shift, um, you know, at work. It was my go to. If things were going wrong, it was my go to. Things were going right. I couldn't imagine a life without drinking at the end of the day. You know, I was emotionally addicted to alcohol, 100%. So yeah, when my life started to fall apart. Um, at the end of uh, November 2020, um, or like we like to say in the rooms of AA when drinking is costing you more than money, um, that's when I realised I needed to get help. And I called up the AA helpline, it's a free helpline, and I um, I spoke to a gentleman and I got given a Zoom code for a meeting because we were still in COVID during that time. So I went to this online meeting um, and it was wonderful. It was full of beautiful people and they were all being so open and so giving with their story and I sat there the entire time listing every way I was different to them and every reason I was not an alcoholic. I wasn't the same age as them, I had a different job to them, I was renting my house, you know, I had blonde hair, literally anything I could use to point out a different I grabbed onto. I did keep going back to that meeting even though I was sat there listening to everything about why I shouldn't be there like... I couldn't get away from the warmth and the compassion and the healing I could see in the eyes of others. Um, You know, something that even through my sick, sick, thick skull that I could see was very special. But basically what happened then was that I hid the way, same way I'd hid my drinking, I also hid my recovery. I was equally ashamed to admit that I had a problem with drinking as I was to say I was seeking help for stopping drinking. You know, there is just so much stigma and shame around saying that you're getting help to stop drinking. There just is. And because I was still being so secretive, I would go three, four, five weeks maybe, and then I'd reward myself or, you know, something bad would happen. And I would look in my toolkit and think, oh, how can I deal with this? And the only way I had to deal with life was alcohol. There was nothing else in my toolkit. My toolkit was just alcohol. I was going to say at that point, but I don't know if there ever was anything else in there. You know, I don't know if I necessarily ever had any good life skills before that, you know, and because of that, I didn't get well instantly i wasn't connecting i wasn't committed to looking you know at what within me i needed to change and what i could do to make myself better i was so focused on the word alcoholic and what that meant rather than getting that help that i really needed and i eventually I did carry on drinking on and off and um, but I did have my last drink September 4th 2021 and that was the day I committed to going to the rooms properly and I did the work and you know my life has only been on an upward trajectory since that day. Now I'm not saying that everybody who wants to stop drinking should join a 12-step program absolutely not you know that worked for me it doesn't work for everybody there are loads of ways to stop drinking or if you want to just lower your drinking club soda Uh, Noah was on from Club Soda last week they do an incredible mindful drinking course on the Drinks Trust website it's free there are loads of resources on the Drinks Trust uh, website actually Um, Drink Aware has got resources you can go to your GP there's smart recovery there are so many options out there you know pick up some sober literature Um, there's some amazing stuff out there I absolutely love anything that Bryony Gordon writes Um, I love Catherine Gray I just read her book Sunshine Warm so over on holiday and it's brilliant I mean she actually has a whole discussion about the word alcoholic you know and agrees that it's sad that it keeps people from getting well so really the point of this episode or I guess the message I'm hoping I'm getting across is that the word alcoholic and the word alcoholism and because I didn't want that word that label to be associated with me and my life it kept me from getting any form of help and I went through, I believe, at least three, four, five years of extra pain, extra drama, extra pain for my family, extra pain for my friends. I isolated myself from people. I destroyed career opportunities All because I was too ashamed to ask for help. Don't let a word and a label stop you getting help or stop you from stopping. You can call yourself whatever you want. There is no finite definition of what an alcoholic is. There's no entry fee if you want to get well and you want to be sober. There is no line that you have to cross before it's okay for you to say, hey, I'm going to give not drinking a try. I'm going to try this whole sobriety thing. I'm mortified to say that there were times I wished that I was a drug addict rather than an alcoholic because, you know, again, it seemed for me like, being a drug addict in my head was something cool versus an alcoholic, which is something dirty and ugly. And, you know, that's really hard to admit because neither of those options are cool. It's cool is a terrible word to describe both of those options. They are horrendous, life-altering, debilitating, soul-destroying ways of living. You know, there's no positivity around either of those scenarios. But I do think it's important to point out that for me at times, you know, I've felt that there was this kind of hierarchy of recovery and again like this is something I've heard from other people too wherein there's kind of different levels of alcoholism or different levels of drinking, different levels of drug taking or which drugs that you're taking which gets a different status within society, within the media, within yourselves. And it is ridiculous, but it's true. But what does this all mean in terms of working in hospitality? You know, going to work in a job which is surrounded by alcohol, declaring yourself an alcoholic is something that hardly anybody has the courage to do because of that shame and that stigma. I had that lovely chat with Noah last week where he explained um, how initially he didn't tell prospective employees, you know, from the off about um, he describes himself as an alcoholic, so about his alcoholism, because of the fear he wouldn't potentially get the job or get further in the interview process you know is it acceptable to be understanding of that statement and say well of course they won't want a bartender who doesn't drink you know but if everything else about that bartender is exceptional their customer service their training their creativity their ability with numbers you know everything about them reads brilliant employee employee that they can't drink why would you not give them that role I mean have I just answered that question myself because they don't drink you know Tom Carriage famously has a shellfish allergy, and therefore when he creates dishes that um, contain that ingredient, he doesn't eat it because it will kill him. That doesn't take away from him the exceptional chef he is, the leader, the amazing human being he is in fact. He just doesn't eat shellfish, yeah? So if we have a bar manager who ticks every single box, but much like Tom, can't have a drink because it will kill him in the same way Tom can't have an oyster because it will kill him, Why are we not able to give them that same compassionate understanding? For me, I think that's something we really need to look at and change in our industry. There are so many people on recovery in our industry who are hiding that fact. And there are so many people suffering in silence in our industry because of the shame and stigma around saying, I need help with my drinking. I think my conclusion really is you do not have to be an alcoholic to stop drinking. Even in the rooms of AA, we say the only requirement to be in those rooms is a desire to stop drinking. You know, you don't even have to have stopped drinking. I think that the more people who stand up in their sobriety and in their recovery and have the courage to say, hey, I've decided to stop drinking, drinking was not working for me. Drinking was costing me my mental health, my physical health, my relationships, my workplace, everything. And I no longer drink, but I still work in hospitality and I work really successfully. Those people, they are the ones who've got the power to change lives. You know, you can spend your whole life on semantics, on interpretations, on assumptions surrounding a word, alcoholism, alcoholic. Or you can reach out and get the help that you deserve, the help that you need and potentially start living a life that isn't full of pain and chaos and drudgery and anxiety and that awful feeling every day when you wake up and you think, oh God, what have I done? What do I have to do just to get through the day? Don't let it get to the stage where you suddenly feel you identify as a stereotypical alcoholic before you get the help. That's my message and that's why I'm recovering loudly even though it makes me feel uncomfortable, even though myself I'm torn up inside with that shame and embarrassment because it's a daily learning curve you know. Every day I have to move towards acceptance and away from shame. I'm not saying that I recover loudly and it's easy. I'm not saying that I recover loudly and you should all do it too but the more of us who stand up and say that recovery is possible, I really believe that, you know, the more people, the less people that we will lose in our industry, you know, not just to addiction, but to other mental health conditions, suicide, you know, or people just moving away from the industry and working in a whole different environment because they didn't feel they could get the support they needed for their mental health or their drinking um, or their drug use while working in hospitality. We're in an industry that is rife with consumption, with excess and with the acceptability that coming to work hungover is fine, where we can drink in plain sight and we can drink to excess. And the repercussions are often not felt until it's too late and we lose our jobs. I really hope that we recover loudly and the work that we're beginning to do will make a good start in changing all of that. I really hope somebody out there has got something from listening to this episode and all of the resources that I've talked about are listed in the show notes if you are looking for support. Do make sure to follow us on Instagram at we recover loudly. The website, www.werecoverloudly.com, will be launched in a couple of weeks. There'll be a contact page on there where you can get in touch with us directly. There's also going to be a form there, so if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, if you have a story of strength and recovery and you're still working in the industry and you want to stand up and recover loudly, please do get in touch. Thank you, as always, for listening. Please rate, follow the show, share this episode with your friends and your loved ones. And thank you for being here today. Thank you for tuning into We Recover Loudly. Please stay tuned for future episodes, subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn for more updates on at We Recover Loudly. If you are struggling with addiction and want to find support, please refer to the resources listed in the show notes or alternatively check out the website www.werecoverloudly.com. If you would like to be a guest on the show fill in contact sheet on the website and we will be in touch we would love to hear from you and have you share your experiences here on the podcast this podcast has been produced by the fabulous podcast boutique and hosted by me shell recovering loudly so that others do not die quietly thank you